Hey there, brothers and sisters. Thanks for listening to the Mormon News Roundup. And if you are enjoying this show, please consider making a donation. Patreon makes an important contribution to helping us ruminate on the great and spacious beehive here. So thanks so much to everyone for for supporting us on Patreon.com. Some revelation. Well, here you go. It's gonna blow your freaking mind. Hey, greetings, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the weekly Mormon News Roundup, where Al and the White Cat Prophecy and Divas ruminate on the great and spacious beehive. This week is February 26, 2023, episode 48, coming your way. We have at White Cat Prophecy co-hosting with us this week. A really big uh, episode today because we've got the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints being fined by the Securities and Exchange Commission and President Biden visits Ukraine. So welcome back to everybody. I'm glad to be back myself. It looks like I had a couple weeks off, so here I am. Welcome back to me too. <laughs> hey, it's great to have you back, Al. I just want to give a shout out here to Sofrina, our uh, uh so, Sofrina, I hope I'm saying that right, is our newest Patreon subscriber. Uh, Al, she's at the general authority tier level. Does that mean that we need to listen wow. and follow whatever she says? I think so. At least we have to take it into consideration and like mean it. Yeah. Okay. But do we have to <laughs> do we do we have to sustain her? Do we have to sustain her first? Or I, I'll say so. Okay, fine. All in favor, Al, please manifest. And uh, I'm not going to do the opposing vote because uh, they didn't do one during gen- in general conference during COVID, so we're not going to do one here either. Uh, now, what's okay. that, Al? What's that old saying? When the general authority Patreon tier speaks, the debate is over. I think is that what the saying is? I, I believe so. So uh, <laughs> it, it appears, Steve, that the vote is unanimous in favor. That's good. Um, okay. So thanks, so, uh, Safrina. Thank you so much. We love and appreciate you. And Wide Cat Prophecy, welcome to the Mormon News Roundup. Thanks. Glad to be here. Excited. Yeah, great. Hey, what's your Twitter handle, and uh, what is it that you, that you do there? Yeah, so it is at White Cat Prophecy, except in Prophecy, it's missing the E because I ran out of letters when I was doing it. Um, yeah, so I I left the LDS Church a year ago, and what I was realizing was that I just needed a place to shout into the void. And so I made this anonymous Twitter account just to kind of let out all my thoughts out. And what I found really quick is that a lot of people were drawn to the rage shouting into the void and the account grew really quick. And uh, to the point where I was no longer really shouting into the void because there were people who knew me on there and there were like like thousands of people following it. Uh, But still been a really fun and actually very productive um, thing to do and way to kind of get through some of my thoughts and follow what's going on with the church and meet a lot of really cool new people. So now I heard that somebody did a uh, doctrine and covenant section through chat GPT about kittens or cats. Did you see that? I did not see that yeah. one. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody did a, said, write me a section of the Doctrine and Covenants that is re- uh, related to uh, cats. Uh, I, I, for some reason, I thought that I associated with that with you, but I guess uh, I guess not. That's a, that's a funny one, though. Now, uh, we heard that you're uh, thinking about starting a podcast. Uh, what's it going to be called, and what's your podcast going to be all about? Yes, so I'm still working on the name of the podcast, but the idea is that 
I feel like of all the great podcasts that are out there today in in Mormondom and ex-Mormondom and whatever, um, there's kind of a gap, which is that, you know, I like Mormon stories as much as the next guy. I definitely went through my phase where I was listening to a lot of uh, their episodes. Um, but I, I feel like, uh, first of all, you know, we need something that's shorter um, to for people to be able to be able to tell their stories. Um, and second, I think they do a really good job of bringing on some fantastic guests and telling um, some in-depth stories and things like that. But the brand that they've built up over time is like the anti-Mormon podcast, you know, and mm -hmm. we need one that is, is telling the stories of people who have left the Mormon church, maybe without the baggage associated with Mormon stories, mm -hmm. especially in the eyes of active members. Because what I want to do is make something that tells the stories of people who have left in less than three hours, ideally, um, mm -hmm. in a format that might not scare off all active members <laughs> and so that it can help to dispel some of the myths yeah. around why people leave that it's not a lax disciples or lazy learners thing it's people trying to do their best be their best and it leads them out of the church sometimes so well, that's yeah, it, it, it sounds like you're going to fit in very nicely with us on this podcast uh white cat because uh we've tried to uh to provide a place where people um as mature adults can uh look at the the tough um hard-hitting uh news topics of, uh, regarding Mormonism and, um, you know, uh, just examine it from, uh, all sides, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So we are so glad to have you. And, uh, you know, I, I get exactly what you're saying with the Mormon stories podcast, that one, it, sometimes it's quite a slog to get through some of those episodes. So I think that I, I do wish you the best of luck with that and, uh, going forward with that. Uh, I think that you'll find a very good, uh, broad audience because, We'd like to ha find some some middle ground where uh, members and former members alike can get together and uh, come to have a conversation and understand each other without having all this animosity or fear or judgment, you know? Now, yeah, hey, so. uh, White Cat, I hear that you're moving to Utah. Um, I guess we're going to pray for you, but why in the world yeah. would you want to do that <laughs> when you should be moving to Jackson County, Missouri? That's my only question. <laughs> well, first off, don't just pray. You better be fasting. This is moving to Utah we're talking about. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I just want to say, you know, who is the target audience of your uh, uh, potential podcast? Uh, you know, who should listen to it? Why should, why should I listen to your podcast? I think there are two groups. The first one is uh, people who have left the church and just need the validation and need to learn from other people's experiences. Um, you know, it can be really, really helpful just to hear other people going through similar things. The, the second group, and this is an interesting balance, the strike to attract both of these groups. The yeah. second group is active members of the church who sincerely want to understand the experiences of those who leave without looking through the lens of of them being lazy learners or lax disciples or something. Okay. Yeah. What really drew me to your account is the title of it. White cat prophecy. What, and your avatar is a cat. What, what is, what, why did you choose the term white cat prophecy? What's that all about? 
So I, I assume you're familiar with the white horse prophecy, you know, that idea that mm-hmm. the constitution will hang by a thread and that the, um, that the elders of the church will save it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, the, the I see that the church had taught for years and years. And then and the, when they were <laughs> confronted, um, in the public eye, then they're like, Oh, we don't know anything about that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I, I was raised in kind of a hyper right wing, uh, mm-hmm. ward and I could tell stories for days about what, uh, went on in that ward. But just like mm-hmm. one example here is that my brother, when he was like a youth in Sunday school was invited by the Sunday school teacher to join his militia. Um, so wow. just like super like right wing ward and yeah. There were members in there who loved the White Horse prophecy, and so that aspect of of Mormondom and Mormon history has always been a big part of my experience. Mm-hmm. And so, when I was trying to think of a name, it felt fun to find something that spoofed that particular aspect because it's flavored so much of my experience with Mormon Church. And it seems like you are kind of big into satire as well, right? <laughs> yes, there, there is so much to satirize within the mormon church and there's a a huge frontier of humor that opens up so yeah sure yeah absolutely now you were off the grid uh, when we uh reached out to you like a month ago we were trying to get in touch with you this last week and you were like off the grid completely for like the first couple of days of this week that's why i was saying you know much like the white horse if this show didn't go off i was going to say well much like the white horse prophecy the white cat prophecy appears to have failed (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I would say also much like the White Horse Prophecy, it uh, randomly shows up again when you least expect it without explaining. So, ah, okay. Very yeah. nice. <laughs> now, we have linked to the White Cat Prophecy in our show notes. If you want to check out his Twitter handle, he has a lot of uh, very amusing and uh, satirical takes on uh, on Mormonism, which is I, I find to be very, very amusing. Now, um, I understand that you do have our Mormon News Roundup joke of the week. Yes. Uh, so... How did the SEC find the church's secret investment fund? They followed the prophet. Oh, I love that. <laughs> uh, well done. <laughs> oh, that's good. That is good. Now, uh, now I, I've never done this before, but on this episode, gentlemen, um, I'm going to bear my testimony. And I bear my testimony beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is going to be a good episode, okay? So you can go to the you can go to the bank on that. Now we're going to get to the SEC case later on in the episode. Uh, we're going to finish with that, but we have some um, some more minor uh, articles and news items that we want to get into first. Now, uh, so this is a follow up here. This is a, a bill here that was released here. Uh, this was on Fox 13 now, and this was released on February 18, 2023. It says bills requiring clergy to report abuse discloses won't advance in the Utah legislature. So there were four bills that were introduced this last year in Utah that uh, t- talked about sexual abuse. In other words, there were uh, certain lawmakers in the Utah House were trying to eliminate the so-called priest penitent privilege, which means that if uh, you as a confessioner go into your bishop during a closed confession and say, I am sec- I have sexually abused or I'm currently sex- uh, sexually abusing or I will sexually abuse someone, uh, that, that priest that has, in no way, shape or form is required to uh, bring that information to law enforcement. Well, this bill aimed to change that and those bills, they died. Well, what are your thoughts on this one, Al? Um, I guess I'm not all that surprised, uh, you know, with Utah's legislature. 
Well, this is, it's such a touchy subject, you know, when it comes to, we, we obviously want to protect the kids and with the AP abuse uh, uh, scandal from last summer, that's, it seems like it's still going on uh, because it keeps going back and forth between uh, courts down there in, uh, is it New Mexico? Yeah. Arizona. Arizona. That's, I'm sorry. Yeah. Next door. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it it just seems like, uh, you know, the they're still trying to um, have the status quo maintained, and I'm not sure why, because obviously the status quo is only enabling the abuser, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, White Cat, are you sure after this article? Are you still sure you want to move to Utah? I'm just, I'm just saying. I will never be sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't what know. Do you I've, think, I've what, seen what uh, some of the legislation to our neighbor to the north is in uh, Idaho, and they're kind of crazy themselves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you just remember, after the AP sex abuse story, which hit last July, um, President Nelson, he, he directly uh, addressed this um, in the October General Conference. And, and he gave absolute. Now, he said that the uh, there's no place in the church for it. We uh, oppose it where um, it's despicable and um, it's reprehensible and it offends God. But he gave absolutely no concrete steps forward or changes which would have either strengthened or changes changed the church's response position or would, um, you know, the, the, there's the church does not require background. Uh, the church does not background check people who work with children unless it is mandated by law or the country in which you reside. And that's why uh, perhaps that's the reason that this legislation, which is in the church's home court, um, it, it died is because the, the church, it, it made, it, it gave no pathway forward. It says there's no place for it, but it didn't say we were doing anything wrong. It didn't say that there's a problem with the law, a problem with our reporting, a problem with our bishops, or we need better training. It said there's no place for it, but it, it didn't say to do anything. Exactly. And Any thoughts, uh, White Cat? Uh, lots, but I think I'll say this. So I'm kind of like, uh, putting my Mormon hat back on for a minute here, but there's uh the story somewhere in the book of Mormon where there's like secret combinations happening and it kind of like praises the anti Nephi Lehi's because they like take the effort to like root out this evil from among them with every tool they have and cast it out. And that's why they're more righteous than the Nephites. And my feeling here is like, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's one step to like publicly denounce something that everyone agrees is terrible, but I can't find any evidence that the church has done anything since the AP news article to actually root this out. Um, and I would, I'd like to see that. Any I, last thoughts, I think, Al? I, I think we're seeing a, a good example here of how the church uh, approaches problems and things that the church actually wants to fix, they will take the um, measures to fix them. But in cases where they don't care or they don't, they prefer the status quo, uh, they're going to make a statement like this that says, oh, this has no place in the church, but then do nothing further. Yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, our email our email address is colob at mormonnewsroundup.org, or you can come and visit us at www.mormonnewsroundup.org. You can give us your thoughts on this particular bill and why it died. Now, in a similar vein, an ex-youth leader has admitted to sexually abusing a Utah boy while paying hush money. This is a particularly egregious case of child sex abuse, and this was published on February 18, 2023 by Emily Ashcroft. 
on KSL. Now, uh, Kevin Sykes, he pleaded guilty to aggravated uh, sexual abuse. He paid money to the, uh, the, the victim in this particular case. And I found this article to be particularly interesting because, Al, when you read through this article, which is on KSL, which is the church, the church owns Bonneville Communication and KSL is the subsidiary of it. When you read through, you find out that this uh, uh, Mr. Sykes here, he is a churchgoer. And uh, which church does he attend, Al? Um, I'm guessing it's not the Lutherans. Um, now, why why are you guessing that? It says that he's a churchgoer, but it doesn't identify his church. Well, um, it being uh, KSL and, uh, well, this uh, being the Mormon News Roundup, I'm guessing that he's a member of the LDS church. But I think the church prefers to just uh, distance itself as much as possible and just say, oh, well, this is a churchgoer, um, almost as if to say, well, this could happen in any church, right? Uh I mean, without without specifically saying that, they just say, oh, well, all churches have uh, child abuse scandals. Mm, some do. A lot do um, at one point or another. But does that really matter to the victim? Because uh, it seems to me that this guy was enabled through his religion to have access to this kid. And, the, and he was paying hush money uh, as a member of this religion. So yeah, I think so that's if one you, of the big you, things. Yeah, if you contrast this, um, there's a KSL article about the, a youth leader in a non-LDS church, and his church is named. It's the New Life Christian Fellowship. So if you're not a member of the church, then your church gets named. If yeah. you are a member of the church, then it's just a it's just a church. It's not the Church exactly. of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And the author of this article, Pat Reavy, she names the LDS church on many prior occasions. So when the church is doing humanitarian good, donating supplies or, or um, you know, at a bishop's storehouse, welfare square, then the church is featured prominently. When it's a member of the church who's done evil and um, is a sexual predator, then we're not given those kind of details. What are your thoughts, White Cat? I mean, pretty cut and dry. I mean, I, I I would argue that there is kind of a difference between like an article that that features the church front and center that's about something the church did and, um, and then a story that is about something a member of the church did. But I would agree, like in my experience, when it's a, a member of the church doing something good, they list uh, which church it is. Yeah. Um, then and, they, they take ownership yeah. and say, oh, this is a person who's one of our own, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's this kind of thing that forces the Salt Lake Tribune to give itself a bad uh, name with members, because, you know, if if there's only like a small handful of news sources that kind of dominate news in Utah and all but one of them are owned by a major organization that already kind of mostly controls legislation and everything there, you know, what role do you think that other news organization is going to find itself uh, frequently playing? So. Yep, and this individual was not background checked either because Utah does not require background checks for church volunteers, even if they are working uh, carefully working with uh, uh, children or, or vulnerable persons. So he was never background checked. I just find it to be a very um, kind of an ironic uh, case here where I had to go to Fox 13 to figure out if this person was a member of the church or not. Doesn't seem like a very good journalism in my humble estimation. Now, if you want to leave us a voicemail about this article, you can. If you come on over to Anchor, 
Anchor, you can uh, get, leave us a voicemail and we can play your thoughts on our next podcast. We'd be happy to do so. Now, our next article here is Proposition 8 is back in the news. Now, I cannot, I could not believe this when I read this. This was back on February 19th from author Bishop Bill, and this was on Wheat and Tares. Now, Proposition 8, as you might recall, was uh, what was Proposition 8 back in 2008 in California? What happened there? A big scandal. This was funded. The church did a big uh, political uh, drive for this to get members to uh, donate f uh, funds and also uh, the church campaigned itself to against uh, Proposition 8. This was the Legalizing uh, Gay Marriage uh, Act or, or proposition that uh, got put on the um, the uh, the books over in, uh, in California, but really Proposition 8 was not to legalize, it was uh, Proposition 8 was to set in stone that marriage is only between a man and a woman, um, a very binary and traditional uh, view of marriage. And uh, it uh, it passed. So it, yeah. it is on the books. Right. So, yeah, a federal judge in California said that he didn't think that uh, marriage should be exclusively between um, people of opposite mm -hmm. genders. Therefore, the floodgates were open and for about an eight month period, anyone in California could get married to any other mm -hmm. consenting adult. That's why the church lobbied so hard for Proposition 8. And that's where we yeah. Uh, yeah, that's where that's where it all came from. Well, with the passage of Obgravel and Hodges, was that 2018 or was that 2019? Anyway, a few years yeah. ago, it seems, you know, it seems like Proposition 8 is dead. And so why is it back in the news? Well, this is the issue. When Roe versus Wade got struck down, all of the um, abortion law in the United States went back to whatever was on the state books. And, yeah. and that's what they're worried about. Well, you know, there's been some rumblings that Abravel with this very conservative Supreme Court is going to get overthrown. And if so, then any of these kind of obscure or, um, you know, outdated laws could come yeah. back into the books. And that's why California is going to go ahead and strike through and get rid of everything that has to do with Proposition 8 off of the books so that it never gets breathed back into existence. Hey, White Cat, what are your thoughts on Proposition 8 being back in the news 15 years after it passed? Well, I mean, lots of feelings here, and I I feel for the people who have to see it debated again whether or not, you know, their marriage should be considered real and that kind of thing. That being said, I think it presents an interesting dilemma for the church because, you know, they're faced with the choice to either um, wade back into it and... Uh, renew the PR firestorm that they still haven't really gotten past since they became so involved in Prop 8 the first time, or what I think is more likely that they'll do, which is to stay out of it this time and basically signal that they were wrong when they got so into it before. And, you know, so there's, it's a little bit of a catch 22 for them that I'm curious to see how they'll respond to. Yeah. Proposition eight, it was eventually overturned on appeal but it's still in the state constitution. So they really want to excise it out of there so that there is no way that it can be brought back into existence. And, and uh, you know, the church, basically Proposition 8, I think it had $40 million at the time of lobbying from um, from all sides. It was, which was a tremendous amount of money for a simple proposition. These propositions in California are a dime a dozen. That was unprecedented. And my understanding is that the church brought in something like $20 million, either through the church itself or through church-affiliated donations from the members. And, and is the church going to be lining up on this one? What do you think, Al? Um, I guess we will wait and see uh, how 
I know the church is really trying to stay ahead of things, um, but they've got a lot of things going on right now. So um, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, But I'll tell you, the church uh, worked really hard and paid a lot of money to get this legislation passed. I don't think they're going to let it go without a big fight. Well, I mean, they paid a lot of money to help get it passed and that, you know, they mobilized members. It was all hands on deck. This was considered one of the most unprecedented outreaches to church members during my lifetime. Mm -hmm. And then just recently, about three months ago, they came out in favor of the Marriage for All Act, which basically nullifies everything that the church was involved with back then. All of those donations, all of that volunteering, all of the messaging Mm -hmm. is now basically diametrically opposed to what they were doing. So if they were to fundraise again, it's... It's just it's the irony here is really really uh, thick. Any yeah. any last thoughts on Proposition Eight, guys? Well, but let's remember in regards to what you just said. Let's remember that they then reaffirmed through President Oaks like a week or two ago <laughs> that they do not support the gays. That they did that to uh, cover their own butts, and they were very explicit about that. Okay, very good thoughts, White Cat. Uh, we're on Twitter at, at @newsmormon. If you uh, will drop us your thoughts on what you think about Proposition 8 being back in the news in California, we'd be very grateful for that. And while you're at it, can you um, leave us a five-star review? Give us a thumbs up. We'd be we'd appreciate that very much. Now, we are going to get to the SEC here, folks, but we got one last article before we do, and that's President Biden visiting Ukraine. Now, I know you're like, hey, what does this have to do with Mormon news? I, I want to discuss this just for a moment here. So President Biden in this last week here, this is an article that was uh, on CNN here. This was on Monday, February 20th. Biden visits Ukraine and he upstages Putin and leaves Moscow military pundits raging. So he's the first U.S. president to visit an active war zone since Abraham Lincoln in which his own troops did not were not on the ground. He basically went to a hostile war zone where he did not have control over the ground. That's really unprecedented. And a significant security concern surrounding this visit, a very dangerous endeavor, dare I even say brave. Now, I mean, this is what I want to say. World leadership, it really means sticking your neck out. It means going to dangerous places. It means confronting evil. It means taking a stand. These are things that President Russell M. Nelson knows nothing about. Where is President Nelson? Why is he not traveling to not only Ukraine, to show solidarity, or why is he not traveling to rebuke uh, to Russia to rebuke uh, Vladimir Putin? Um, remember, David A. Bednar said that it was brave for Russell. Uh, do you remember back, uh, Al, what uh, in uh, the National Press Club, David A. Bednar yeah. said that Russell and Nelson was incredibly brave back uh, last May? Do you remember what he said that President Nelson was brave about? Um, censorship, I believe it was. <laughs> yeah, to get about getting the word Mormon. <laughs> yeah, getting rid of the word Mormon. That was bravery. That's why I see, you know, th- that's the thing. We're seeing a huge contrast here uh, on the global stage when it comes to global leadership. President Biden, he's taking a stand morally, ethically, showing solidarity with the Ukrainian people. But I thought that that's what prophets were supposed to do. They were the ones who were supposed to take moral stance and define ethics. There's just, there's an incredible contrast here between the viral picture of President Biden and President Zelensky walking the streets of Kiev in an active war zone. And the last picture that I've seen of President Nelson, which was back on New Year's Day. And Al, what was the picture that we had of uh, President Nelson? Deep sea fishing. Yeah. President yeah. Nelson is deep sea fishing, giving us a few platitudes. President Biden is going to into harm's way to show solidarity and uh, talk about uh, the moral fortitude of uh, democracy. Um, you know, that's the problem here. Russell and Nelson, he doesn't command in the armies, so he needs to leverage a soft power to have influence. But the only thing he ever does, he seems like he does, is release press statements. And in fact, President Biden himself used a great deal of deception on this trip in order to be able to travel to Ukraine because it is very dangerous. And contrast this with how the church uses deception. 
the church uses deception so that members will continue to pay tithing. I guess there's just a difference in priority. Uh, your thoughts on this uh, article here, White Cap? Yeah, I mean, I also think of like, this is maybe like two years ago when uh, the Pope um, made this big like public statement, like challenging all the evils that he saw in society today and uh, naming them explicitly one by one. And, you know, say what you want about whether you agree with the Pope or the Catholic Church or whatever, but this thing that he did was cool. And that was tough for me at the time as as like someone trying to be an active member because I looked at the contrast between him boldly uh, challenging the evil that he saw in society, even when it led him to uh, challenge, you know, uh, popular and important uh, people and institutions. And then at the, uh, the short and uh, vaguely worded statements that the church tends to put out as its uh, most explicit form of, of challenging evils like the invasion of Ukraine. Um, the contrast is there. Yeah, I'll do. Um, am I imagining things, or am I seeing a pretty big contrast in between these two individuals and how they uh, exercise global leadership, a bravery, take moral stands, show how our ethics should be? Uh, am I the only one who sees that, or? Oh no, not not by a long shot. I mean, it's kind of uh, uh, a little comical that when uh, President Biden landed in uh, Ukraine. On air, getting off of Air Force One, he fell down the stairs, and uh, so like in the newsreels after that, you see that he's got kind of a, a makeup covered bruise in the middle of his forehead. Um, so I mean, he had some bumps and bruises, and uh, still he went forward with it. So I, I, that takes a lot of bravery for an eighty-year-old man to fall down the stairs and keep going. Um, so you could say, well, you know, President Nelson's 98 years old. He's, you know, Grandpa's getting up there. He needs a nap and he's he's tired. Well, uh, President Biden's no spring chicken himself. He He's an old man. He needs a nap, too. But uh, he's he's over in Ukraine um, going through an active war zone. Uh, President Nelson, on the other hand, well, he's either deep sea fishing or I guess vacuuming his carpet on North Temple. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just I see a huge contrast when it comes to the ability to take a stand, the ability to be a leader, the ability to be brave, to put your life on the line, to be dangerous, to, you know, I, I just I just wish that I could see the kind of leadership that President Biden exhibited on this particular weekend. I wish that the church leadership would have the same level of commitment to, um, I don't know, to, to, to doing the right thing. Any last thoughts on this one, White Cat? No, I think we had it. This brings us to our Mormon News Roundup poll of the week. Al, what's the question for the poll of the week? Okay, the question this week is, why hasn't President Nelson visited Ukraine since the war began one year ago? Yeah, it's almost been exactly one year. Um, that's a good question, Al. Um, is it White Cat, is it number one? We, we want you to take our poll, and we're going to give you seven choices here, and we want you to give the best one that uh, goes along with your sensibilities. Why hasn't uh, President Nelson visited Ukraine since the war began one year ago? Is it number one? Okay, so the first one, uh, Ukraine has absolutely no good fishing spots. <laughs> yeah, no cap. As, as the young kids say, no cap. Yeah, That's no right. kidding. I, you know, if it did, he'd probably be there a lot more often than he is. I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm just saying. I, I don't know that for a fact. I'm just, I'm just guessing here. Or is it number two? The Ukrainian people keep stubbornly using the term Mormon. Ah, yeah. you know, <laughs> if they would just get they could get some um they could get some divine help yeah you know, i think mm -hmm. that, that that could be the issue i'm not sure not sure or is it number three 
uh, Wendy Nelson prefers traveling to Hawaii or to the newest exotic temple locales on the luxury first presidency jet. Have we confirmed that there is in fact a first presidency no. jet no. or is it still the Huntsman jet or something? I, I don't know. That's just a lot. This, don't take this poll too seriously. I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I haven't confirmed anything. It's all just legend and That's rumor here. <laughs> or is it number four? He is far too busy making clandestine trips to Adam Hondayaman and Zelf's tomb. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you do at Adam Hondayaman anyway, Al? Um, I don't know, because there's, I, I guess, try to negotiate uh, with the temple lot people to buy the temple lot so you can finish the temple. I, I don't know. <laughs> I have no well, idea. that's the thing. Adam on Di- <laughs> I believe Adam on Diamon is north of Independence. The Temple Law people yeah. are in uh, mm-hmm. Independence. But yeah, Adam on right. yeah. is like, I don't know, I think it's like a half an hour north of there. So I don't yeah. know what he's, if he's there, I don't know what he's doing. And Zelf's tomb, mm-hmm. boy, I, I would just love to look at that tomb. You know, I haven't been there myself, but yeah, he's probably busy doing mm-hmm. He's got a lot more important things to be doing than mm-hmm. uh, rebuking the most uh, generous, uh, the most genocidal <laughs> uh, butcher of our day. Uh, yeah. Or is it number five? After his miraculous flight of death, uh, Russell M. Nelson's a little squeamish about flying coach. Yeah, yeah I don't blame him one bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would too. Uh-huh. I would. I I would too. No, you know, maybe that does explain why the fact that he hasn't been outside of the state of Utah except for once since 2020. Now that I'm thinking, maybe that is the reason. You well, it's know, but traumatizing to make up a story about almost dying on a plane. You know, so I get it. Yeah, well, yeah. it's probably almost mm-hmm. as traumatizing as actually being in a flight of death. It's, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it's kind of like total recall. If you implant a terrorized memory, it's worse than the actual thing. Yeah. Um, or is it number six? Uh, Zelensky is way younger than the folks with whom President Nelson usually hangs out. So where's True. the fun there? <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually if you're under 80, your audience with the prophet is very mm-hmm. limited. That's that's mm-hmm. from what I can tell. That's just from what I can tell. I, I don't well, know that for a fact. And really, if you're over 80, your uh, population's very limited. So um, it seems like it's very exclusive, this club of people he hangs out with. Yeah, well, it is. I would also argue that he uh, that uh, Zelensky uh, just also doesn't dress as nice as the people President Nelson usually hangs out with. That's true. Yeah, and I've seen him with the beard and everything. So Yeah, yeah and, that's, you know, yeah, absolutely. Where is it number seven? Uh. Ukrainian Latter-day Saints haven't been doing their ministering and chapel toilet cleaning. Well, this one slays me a little bit because on a slightly real note, I feel like expecting them to do that as they're actively defending their country and like somehow prioritizing that above like fighting is pretty on brand for the church. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that this is our Mormon News Roundup poll of the week. Why hasn't President Nelson visited Ukraine since the uh, Ukraine-Russia war began uh, exactly one year ago? White Cat, what is your uh, selection for this? this? is an imperfect poll, but uh, this is an imperfect podcast. I got to go with that number seven there. Like I said, just kind mm-hmm. of on brand. <laughs> oh, that one's great. Yeah. 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 Why uh, Ukrainian Latter-day Saints haven't been doing their ministering and chapel toilet cleaning. Uh, Al, what, so what's your, which one goes along with yours, Al? I, I'm going with number six that uh, Mr. Zelensky is way too young for President yeah. uh, Nelson to hang out with. <laughs> now, now, 
He's not too young for President Nelson to marry, but he is too young to generally just hang out yeah. with, if you get my drift. He's just the I mean? wrong gender. Yeah, that's right. Exactly, exactly. This does bring us to our main article here. The church is settling the case with the SEC over financial reporting. Now, this was uh, published here on the Salt Lake Tribune here just a couple of days ago. And Ensign Peak is going to have to pay a $4 million penalty to the U.S. Treasury within 10 days, and the church will pay $1 million. Um, the Utah-based faith acknowledged its hope to maintain the privacy of the Ensign Peak portfolio. Uh, could the IRS and the U.S. Senate take action next? What are your first thoughts on this, Al? Um, this one was really shocking when I heard about it, because I mean, the most recently thing or most recent thing that we heard about was that the SEC was doing the investigation. Uh, but then um, they actually find them. So they there was findings. And I think that when they when they announced the investigation, there was a lot of uh, faithful members that were uh, in support of the church saying, well, the, you know, the church has always been on the up and up. And this is just, uh, you know, government persecution. And there, there's still plenty of members saying that this is government persecution. But uh, the findings of the SEC uh, showing that there's something there, uh, that tells me that there's at least a few people that are going to be a little shocked to find out that the church actually wasn't on the up and up. Yeah, and the church has admitted to no wrongdoing, and I, for one, am greatly mm-hmm. relieved over that. Or well, not. that's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the church the church released a statement on this that says, don't blame us, blame the lawyers. Uh, White Cat, what's going on? Well, I don't know why we're still talking about it, because the church said that they now consider this settled, you know? So I, I think we can yeah. all just move on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, uh, the SEC had a statement on this. Al, do you have that uh, uh, part of that uh, that we talked about earlier? What's the SEC statement yeah. on this? Okay. So the uh, th- this is a quote from the SEC statement. It says, We allege that the LDS Church's investment manager, with the church's knowledge, went to great lengths to avoid disclosing the church's investments, depriving the commission and the investing public of accurate market information. What's so, your reaction? Yeah, what's your reaction, Al? Yeah, that allegation is pretty serious. That The church intentionally tried to hide its uh, the uh, its investments from the public, from its membership, and from the SEC by forming all of these 13 shell companies with very generic sounding names. Um, I mean, they didn't have any ties to uh, Mormondom whatsoever. These are basically names uh, that I've uh, heard one person say, what is this, named after the streets that these guys live on? Because, I mean, it's like Glenwood Investments and stuff like that. I mean, it's really very benign. So, yeah, uh, the SEC, that's one of the allegations of this is that the church intentionally tried to deceive its members and the SEC by how much uh, the church was pulling in it with investments, because it is a big chunk. I mean, we're talking billions and billions of dollars that the church has invested and they had to break it up. So it didn't look like it was so uh, vast and and huge because, well, the church was afraid that people were going to stop paying tithing because the church is vastly wealthy. Yeah, and the church released a statement on this. Uh, so, and before the, all the anti Mormons get worked up, let's cover that statement there. Mm-hmm. Al, do you have that next statement that the church released? This was right away on their official Twitter handle there. Yeah, so the official Twitter handle says, please use the full name of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints when discussing our criminal activity. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, it, it, I, and I, I, now I, I got to point out, Dives, that this is pretty blatant to me that uh, with the limited number of characters on Twitter, 
they're trying to get you to use the full name on Twitter just to shut you up. <laughs> that, that's just like that's just white cat prophecy that's just a joke obviously but so there's a yeah. lot of funny there's just the memes are going to be continuing on this for yeah. years and i for oh, one I'm can't sure. wait you know that's mm-hmm. why uh spencer speaking clark which, uh, oh, yeah. go ahead uh, sorry. speaking of which i'm going to jump in here for a minute and uh i think that no discussion on this topic is complete without reviewing the recent statement in a byu devotional that you cannot separate the savior from the church and that if you hear something the church does that you disagree with or says that you disagree with then you should substitute the savior in that sentence mm-hmm. and see if you still disagree so i for one i'm glad to hear that the savior has settled his lawsuit with the sec <laughs> I am yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. yeah you're and, talking and, about ha- hamilton's uh hamilton's recent yeah. talk yeah, well, and, and really, that caveat uh, helps uh, the people that want to use Twitter, where you don't have to say, "Well, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints did this." You can just say, "Jesus did this," and yeah. it mm-hmm. frees up a lot more characters. <laughs> it sure does. Now, somebody tweeted this out here. Spencer Clark tweeted it out. He said, "Me, did you see that the SEC fined the church for five million dollars?" Wife, yeah. What's that all about? I thought they were going to the Big Twelve. <laughs> I mean, some people. <laughs> Some people are not exactly following this case as carefully as I am, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now, so let's review some more details here. Between 1997, when Enzyme Peak was first formed with $7 billion, according to David Nielsen, and 2019, when the church started disclosing some of Enzyme Peak's assets, Enzyme Peak advisors did not file the federally required, what is called the Form 13F. Now, it's not just that the EPA, the Enzyme Peak advisors didn't file a 13F for 22 straight years. It's that EPA at the church leader's behest structured their investments to avoid the rules and consciously break federal federal law year in and year out. You have to do that and make a conscious decision every year. This isn't just some accounting guy down in the department who forgot to file, file a form. Oops, this guy forgot it. We fired him and uh, we took his temple recommend away. No, this is a deliberate year in, year out uh, a decision that we're talking about. Yeah, and this uh, Form 13F, this is required for everybody uh, that's a corporation, whether they're for-profit or not-for-profit. 13F, this is the sort of stuff that got Bernie Madoff in deep water. Yeah, and, and this is incredibly strange bedfellows here. Bernie Madoff also cooked the books on his uh, for, Form 13Fs. Mm-hmm. Now, he inflated his 13Fs to make it seem like he was managing a bunch of money, yeah. but the church has deflated. It's amazing. What strange yeah. bedfellows we're in. The Church of yeah. Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and Bernie Madoff, just bosom mm-hmm. friends for eternity. <laughs> Unbelievable. Now, I, I, for one, though, I am calling on all listeners to um, up their tithing contributions to help the church recover from this devastating blow. Is that is that a good plan? Uh, somebody's going to have to make up for it, right? <laughs> <laughs> the problem is, is if, you, if, the, if the members contributed again, there could be another scandal again because we have no transparency. We have no accountability. There's been no steps that have been made. Um, yeah. Now, if you read in the Bible, though, let's let's all calm down a little bit. OK, let's 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 okay. take it down a notch, because if we read in the in the Bible, actually, Jesus did talk about this. And this is something that no one's talking about. He said, uh, Jesus said in the Bible, let him who hasn't deliberately covered up the existence of a multi-billion dollar investment fund cast the first stone. That's in the New World Translation, by the way. Yeah, uh, but it's good. <laughs> You know, There's going to be a lot of stones thrown up with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, the church leaders were worried that if we told the truth to the government and to the members and to the world, that there would be negative financial consequences. Yeah, it it's kind of reminds me of that hymn, Do What Is Right, Let the Consequence Follow. So do what is right, let the consequence follow. Mm-hmm. Unless you're covering up for Enzyme Peak. You know what I mean? That's Whoops. Right. 
I, it, with the revision of the new hymnal, I think we should take that one out. That doesn't seem like a good hymn anymore. You know what I mean? Doesn't seem or at least we should kind of like rewrite the words of it, but like keep that tune, but, you know, maybe kind of go with the opposite type of message so that the people seeing it will be in line with how the church is doing it. You know? Do yeah. what is right unless you're covering up uh, investments. Something like that. Yeah. Maybe. Have them pay your fine and keep going about business as usual. <laughs> See, and, and this is the thing here. The church made repeated, calculated, deliberate, multi-year decisions over multiple administrations to keep Enzyme Peak a secret in violation of federal law because it knew. It knew that a future potentially small fine would be nothing in comparison to the lost tithing receipts that would most likely take place if Latter-day Saints knew the vast holdings that the church had. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what the SEC found. Exactly. Now, and this is, if we think back, um, White Cat, what, what is the biggest uh, apostasy period in church history? Kirtland, when everybody found out that the, ch- um, that the church had formed a fake bank to defraud them. Yeah. That, that, when you start messing with people's life savings, their money, their hard-earned dough, um, that's a really big problem for people. Do you, Al, do you think we're going to see a parallel today? Uh. I think that the church has been preparing for this for a long time. So is this something that uh, we're going to see a big like uh, fallout from? I, within the church, I kind of doubt it. I'm sure that there will be plenty of people who this will be the, the straw that breaks the shelf, per se. But um, I, I think there's going to be plenty of very staunch uh, faithful who this is just another test to sift the wheat from the tares in their minds. Yeah, I mean, I, I just went to my accountant just this last week. Actually, the day before this broke is when I went to my tax accountant that I've had for like 10 years. And I, we went through all of our taxes and we showed her the donations for the last year of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And they were a lot less. I don't know. They were less than they had been in previous years. And we were talking about that. And she goes, I remember when you first came in here, you guys were paying so much money to the church. I couldn't believe it. I was like, don't you guys have four kids? I was amazed. And I was, I'm, I'm still paying tithing up until just... Uh, I, 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 I'm paying tithing in my last tithing receipt that I wouldn't. The, the, and, and she was like, well, why haven't you paid as much in this last year? And my wife and I both looked at each other and said, well, the church doesn't need our money. Remember, David Bednar said that flat out last May. The church does not need the members tithing. He said that flat out to the National Press Club briefing. And that's why our tithing is trailed off. And other people's have, too. If I had known from the beginning back in 1997 um, how much money that the church had, I also that probably would have affected. I know it, not probably. It definitely would have affected my um, tithing contributions. Yeah, mine as well. Yeah. Now I showed this article to my son, and his number one question was, "Is this real?" And I said, "Yes." Number two, he said, "Well, that sounds about right." And then he thought about it for a second with a whimsical look on his face. He said, "Well, I think God told him to do it." That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not too sure about that. Now, I went back and looked at some other uh, news coverage for this from Latter-day Saint Mag. Guess what? It's not in there. LDSliving.com. Hmm. Shocker. No coverage. The church's official Twitter handle. It's totally silent. The next day, they're tweeting out pictures of little teddy bears. Of the, there's somebody giving somebody some teddy bears in the Orem uh, 42nd Ward. And people are like, um, excuse me. That's a little tone deaf. Um, hello? No, silent. Yeah. <laughs> Now, we're not talking about teddy bears right now. There's something a little bit bigger out there. Now, I have a, a, a change. I have a new church name that I want to run past you, White Cat. I want you to rate this from 1 to 10. The Church of Jesus Christ of Limited Liability Corporations. What, how does that sound? <laughs> 
Sounds painfully accurate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. Now, now remember the, the timing on this is incredible because we covered last week that the uh, SEC was probing the church, and it was at that exact same time that uh, David Nielsen was uh, giving additional documentation to the Senate Finance Committee. Yeah, that makes me wonder. You know, this is conspiratorial here, but did he have some insider information from the SEC? about what was going down. And so that his timing would be perfect. He gave the Senate about a week and a half before this fine was levied so that they'd have a chance to look at it. And now all of a sudden this news explodes over the front pages of every major newspaper. And if you're on the Senate Finance Committee, you've just been given additional whistleblower documents. David Nielsen is a genius. I'll say. Yeah. Now, if we look back here at the Church Independent Auditing, now every conference here, you have the Church Independent Auditing Committee. And I was just went back and looked at it from uh, who, who's supposed to take a look at the church. That's supposed to be the church's internal controls to make sure that the money is on the up and up and nobody is doing anything wrong and that we're complying with federal law. And I went back and looked at the, what we uh, what they, they said last at general conference. And, you know, first of all, it's apparent that no one has ever found any issues because no issues have ever been brought to light. This is like the ultimate mafia no show job. Nothing ever happens. Nobody asks any questions and you don't yeah. do anything. <laughs> but Kevin, Kevin R. Jurgensen, who is the managing director of the Church Auditing Committee. Al, can you read what he said in the last journal conference yeah. um, just shortly before the church was fined $5 million for violating federal law? It's very important to point that out, by the way. Uh-huh. Okay, so the quote is, based upon audits performed, church auditing is of the opinion that in all material respects, contributions received, expenditures made, and assets of the church for the year 2022 have been recorded and administered in accordance with church-approved budgets, accounting practices, and policies. Well, uh, what's your reaction, Al? Um, so they're saying that this is what, uh, <laughs> that they condone all of this. <laughs> we, we've, uh, in, we've investigated ourselves and uh, cleared ourselves of any wrongdoing, is what I hear. Well, yeah, um, it's also fascinating because they're basically saying uh, we can assure you that we have done things the way that we like doing things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's the most amazing thing. Upon reflection, if you look at it, the statement actually holds up because the audits Mm -hmm. are conducted in accordance with church approved budgets, accounting practices and policies, just not good ethics, decent morality and federal law. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I've never thought about it before I actually looked at the statement, but yeah, the statement uh-huh. is 100% true. Yeah, the, the way that the church has responded to this is very particular, um, especially with regards to like the, the legal thing. When they when they say, oh, well, uh, they blame the lawyers, um, the wording, you, you really need to read the wording on the church's statement. It's so interesting uh, how specific they are that they relied on, um, on lawyers, or they received um, legal counsel, but they didn't, it doesn't say that they ever followed the uh, followed what they were told to do. No, just no. yeah, just said, oh, we were counseled. Yeah, yep. They relied on legal counsel. They didn't follow the legal counsel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference there. Uh, White Cat, what do you think the Church Audit Committee is going to say next general conference? I mean, why change anything? it's perfectly descriptive of how they're doing things and how they've been doing things. Yeah. Now, uh, most people skip through that church audit, but I guarantee you the people are going to have their ears to the ground when that church auditing guy comes up. He's going to be sweating bullets. Or maybe it's no big deal for him. Maybe he's like, nah, it's it's all good, bro. What are you you sweating about? 
I, I predict um, my prophecy on this one is that all of a sudden the church audit is going to disappear from general conference this year. Oh, that's yeah. a good pro. I, I, that's a good prophecy. Yeah, that is that. I would call that a white cat prophecy if I could. <laughs> you know? and, and that's the question. That is, me. Yeah, yeah. Is anyone going to be held accountable for this incredible deception? Because the SEC only gave a fine. No one, it's only a fine so far. But what about in church discipline? Is, is, will somebody be held accountable? It's not just this 5 million, actually, if you think even deeper about it. Mm-hmm. It's my tithing that was wasted by this, by the way. And don't forget mm-hmm. that Ensign Peak is also losing billions of dollars, mm-hmm. losing a billion dollars every quarter yeah. for the last few quarters. That's my mm-hmm. tithing money too. Is anybody yeah. going to be held accountable for either the, uh, the fraudulent invested practices or the squandering of the Ensign Peak? That's my widow's might. Well, uh, they have assured you, uh, Dives, that uh-huh. your widow's mite uh, was not used to pay the fine. Um, but uh, when they when they say, well, these uh, investment monies were not from tithing either, well, they had to get the capital to start the investment with from somewhere. They sure so, did. So, yeah, uh, I think that it's impossible to say that tithing never had any place in the investment arm of the church. Absolutely. Well, because kind of like yeah, the church has demonstrated with this, that we can't really trust them when it comes to financial things. And so, you know, they may assure us of one thing or another at this point, but they've just demonstrated that they're preparing to lie for 20 years over something uh, pretty major if it helps to uh, protect tithing revenue. And so it's just, I mean, for me, it's, hard to understand why we'd continue to trust them on this when they've demonstrated that they can't be trusted. Yeah. And remember, David Nielsen said that the EPA had sham audits during his time working there, that they were fake, that they didn't do anything. Those are his words. It yeah. seems like he's been vindicated there. He also yeah. said that in 20, uh, 2005, eight years after Ensign Peak um, had been formed, and that Ensign Peak at that time was worth maybe $20 billion dollars which is a huge portfolio, that there were no compliance officers while managing one of the biggest portfolios in the world. That is an atmosphere that is absolutely ripe for destruction. It's about safeguarding sacred funds. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something else to consider here too, which is that in the handbook, um, when it discusses, I can't remember if it's um, like, what should be viewed as dishonest for a church member to be involved in it specifically mentions investment fraud and (laughs) oh it's specifying that that is something that can be that if a church member is involved in in like this list of things those are grounds for church discipline that that's a great point, White Cat. And Al, Al, we researched this. The church handbook does say when it specifies when disciplinary councils are required. There are some times when it's up to the bishop and the stake president, and there's other times that it's required to um, have a disciplinary council. And if you go to 32.6.1.3, it says fraudulent acts. Um, Al, do you have that section of the church handbook? Because I know that yeah. you have that at your bedside every single night. I do. I study it frequently. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, 32.6.1.3. This is what it says. Fraudulent acts. Financial predatory behavior. So financial predatory behavior. Uh, Membership council is required if an adult has a history of deliberately and repeatedly harming people financially and is a threat to others. See 38.6.2.4. 
This includes investment fraud and similar activities. Unintended financial losses due to economic conditions are not considered fraudulent. If litigation is involved, priesthood leaders may decide to wait until the outcome is final. Yeah, so um, White Cat, has this been has this had a history of has the church had a history of repeatedly and uh, deliberately harming people financially by withholding vital information that is uh, would be helpful to them when deciding whether to pay tithing? Well, I mean, they co-signed the SEC order that says that the church hid this information from members because they were afraid of its consequences on members' willingness to pay tithing. So pretty cut and dry to me. Yeah, it just reminds me, you know what? Um, you know the Come Follow Me where it rotates through the four standard works, by the way, every year it's uh, different of the mm-hmm. standard works. I think that we should have the church handbook as the fifth standard work and spend a year on that because literally the church handbook is uh, more important in some ways than some of the other standard works, honestly. For sure. You know, and, and the church, it doesn't run background checks on volunteers who work with kids unless required by law. And that just brings both of those together. You can't just trust everyone all the time. You have to trust but verify. That's the whole point. And the church didn't mm-hmm. do that for years with the lack of compliance officers and the shady investment disclosures. And it just reminds me of the 12th article of faith. Uh, White Cat, do you know that one by heart? Because I was made to memorize that when I was uh, 12 years old and I was given a Snickers bar if I did. Do you, do you remember the 12th article of faith? Something about obeying, honoring, and sustaining the law. Yeah, we believe in obeying, honoring, and sustaining the law. It doesn't look like that's what we're about in this particular case. Uh yeah, it's hard to argue against that. Yeah, I mean, show me how the church is sustaining the law and obeying the law when no. they're doing this. I mean, yeah. obeying the law in paying the fine is not obeying the law because really this fine is a pittance. I mean, $5 million total, $4 million from Ensign Peak, $1 million from the church itself. And that's another uh, thing about this is that the, the fine does include uh, directly from the church, $1 million. Yep. And I, I just remember back, I remember Neil A. Maxwell, the quote in Enzyme of May of 1996. And by the way, I grew up in Salt Lake City. I went to Neil A. Maxwell's house a number of times. I was uh, lived not far from him. I used to play with his son. He was never there because he was too busy working for the church. But yes, I'm tight, not only with the Irings, I'm tight with the Maxwells. I'm tight with the Kimballs. I'm tight with all the senior, senior church leadership. That's why, you know, we're, we're best friends on Facebook and we text every night. But it just reminds me of this quote here from Neil A. Maxwell in May of 1996. And uh, Al, do you have that quote for us? Of course, I'll do my best, uh, Neil A. Maxwell. Okay. They leave the church, but they cannot leave the church alone. Like the throng on the ramparts of the great and spacious building, they are intensely and busily preoccupied, pointing fingers of scorn at the steadfast iron rotters. Yeah, that... I really think about that quote because that quote, it means a lot to me because I really think about it this way. It's really the senior leaders of the church who are in the great and spacious building. They're mocking me as I was walking along the covenant path, paying money to them for their salaries and benefits every step of the way and not telling me about what they're doing with my donations and squandering it away through fraudulent means. They're literally mocking me while I'm on the covenant path. The the, the, the shoe is just on the other foot here. Mm -hmm. It really seems to be. Um, yeah, this whole thing has a like a, a an MLM multi level marketing feel to it, and th- that's one reason that the Utah is the MLM capital of the world, which is about getting people to donate to you, and you don't exactly know what's happening on the pyramid. If you're on the top of the pyramid scheme, you get to reap in the benefits. If you're one of the low level guys like me, just paying tithing along the way, 
you know, you're just kept in the dark. And until you work your way up and get uh, promoted through the ranks and uh, become ordained to, as a general authority and then uh, to the Quorum of the Twelve, and then you made it. Yeah. You know, uh, going back to the SEC statement here, the SEC also revealed that two of the managers at the EPA who were supposed to be the ones signing those thir- those fraudulent uh, 13Fs, the shell companies, they were uncomfortable with the illegal nature of the structure because it's against the law. And when the church wouldn't make things right and, sa- and when they said, hey, we are not going to engage in this fraudulent activity, um, what happened? They resigned. Yeah. And the church just replaced them with two new stooges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's important. The SEC paperwork said that EPA, Enzyme Peak, did not have the authority to implement this shady approach without first presidency and presiding bishopric approval. So you can't yeah. just say, hey, Enzyme Peak and what is it? Roger Clark, he's the head of Enzyme mm-hmm. Peak. Um, they went rogue on this one. They just went on their own thing. They they were they you know the the church leadership is uh, above board and they had no involvement with this. The SEC goes to great pains to say that this was um, referenced frequently and often by senior church leadership. Yeah, this is from President Hinckley, from President Monson, from President Russell M. Nelson. Yep, all all three of those uh, knew exactly what was going on and signed off on it. And the other members of the First Presidency and the presiding bishopric. And I think yep. that there's been two heads of Ensign Peak as well. All so of those he, people, yeah. at he, a minimum, even, all, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Even everybody's favorite, Dieter Uchtdorf, was part of this. Yep. And uh, that just reminds me of the fake LDS newsroom, which we did this out. There's only one true church with whom the Lord is well pre- pleased. But that church contains multiple shell companies, and this too pleases Jesus. When thou doest thy investments, let not one shell company know what the other shell company doeth, that thy investments may be held in secret. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> well, and I think it's important just to unpack, too, like what average members of the church seem to be kind of saying and thinking about this, and, you know, what what the misconceptions that they have and how it's being encouraged and propagated, what that says about the church's commitment or lack of commitment to now, uh, you know, uphold the truth or not, so to speak. Um, Is this the time to unpack that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I just look at, so like when I first heard the story, I was like, okay, well this, this sounds pretty bad, but you know, it is possible. Maybe something is being misrepresented. So I actually went and talked to my accountant, who's a member of the church in like, has recently been in the stake presidency, is a member of my family too, and asked what he thought. And he said, well, like, it doesn't bother me at all. They, they got bad legal advice. And when they figured it out, they changed it immediately. And for about two hours, that satisfied me. And then I went and read the SEC order. And I was like, that's not even kind of true. No. Um, but those are very similar talking points to what I see being propagated on Facebook and other places where active members of the church are discussing this. And it's interesting to me, you know, this this whole thing is about whether or not the church was telling the truth in this. And it's it's obvious that they weren't. But then beyond that, they are encouraging and propagating still the the false defenses being promoted by members about this instead of owning it and ensuring that members, you know, their donors know the truth. It, it just blows my mind. 
Yeah, they're insinuating that it was the lawyers who gave them bad advice. Now, they didn't say that they followed their lawyer's advice. I promise you this, the lawyers at Curt McConkie, the tax lawyers at Curt McConkie, they're not telling the church to break up Enzyme Peak into 13 shell companies with fake names, fake addresses, and generic employee names in order to skirt federal law. That's not in Curt McConkie's best interest because they could have they could be disbarred for that. They you know, they, they could be ramifications for them as well. They're not stupid. They're no dodos. Yeah, so this is I think when it comes to the the lay membership, uh, a lot of times they look to the church for their uh, cues on, you know, how do we make sense of this? And anybody that's going to uh, not just uh, shove this to the back of their mind and not worry about it or try to ignore it altogether, anybody that's going to say, well, how do I make this fit? The church uh, gave them something that that sounds a lot like, oh, uh, we had some bad legal advice from a lawyer, so uh, that's it. Uh, without putting any thought into what are the implications on that, if you got bad legal advice from a, a, a bar-passed lawyer or bar-certified lawyer, then that has very real uh, consequences for that lawyer. That lawyer is going to prison for sure. It's real simple here. You could pick up the phone, call the SEC, and say, Hi, this is the church in Enzyme Peak. We're thinking about breaking up our $40 billion company into 13 fake shell companies. Are you cool with that? Are you down with that? This isn't about legal advice. When you have a big investment, you work hand in hand with the SEC to make sure that these type of things can't happen. The church has insinuated that it's bad legal advice, and I find that to be appalling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find, if you remember back, uh, the, the acting president of the 12 now, which is M. Russell Ballard, who, by the way, has had his own run-ins with the SEC, by the way, independent of uh-huh. this. He had the famous quote from a few years back, which uh, really comes to mind for this particular uh, situation. He says, quote, there has not been there has been no attempt on the part of the church leaders to try and hide anything from anyone. End quote. How do you feel about that, Al? Um, wow. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't feel very good about that uh, because uh, it appears that he was not telling the truth. And yeah, I can't well, say that he wasn't in the know. He's in the governing uh, body here. Yeah, so well, that's, he, he what's, am, that's mm-hmm. what's amusing is that the allegation from, I believe it was from David Nielsen, says that only the only people who are read in on the totality of Ensign Peak's um, total holdings are the first presidency, that's three people, the presiding bishopric, that's three people, and the head of Ensign Peak. There's only seven yeah. people on the planet who knew what was going oh. on at Ensign Peak. And, and see, even the, the stooges with the shell companies, they didn't know what was going on. They were just told to sign this piece of paper and here's some holdings. They didn't know the totality of all of it. So it is possible that M. Russell Ballard didn't know. In fact, there's allegations that uh, uh, in yeah. particular, uh, who's the, um, ba- uh, not Ballard, uh, Packer. Packer mm-hmm. was in, furious when he was the head of the 12 apostles that mm-hmm. he was not told what was in Ensign Peak. And he was extremely upset about that, went over there and talked to him. This is all legend and rumor. But they said, mm-hmm. sorry, you're not on a need. This is a need to know basis. And even though you're the president of the Quorum of the 12th, you're not on a need to know. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is really frustrating for uh, Ballard and Packer because Neither of them had ever been in the first presidency. So you have like Henry B. Eyring, who's uh, very much a, a company man on this, uh, that's in the know on on that. Uh, the, even little Theodore Dorf knows more than uh, these guys. So, that, yeah, that's a frustration. Yeah. And I said last week after the SEC probe broke 
when they said that they were investigating, I said that this would probably end up in a settlement and a small fine. Hashtag prophecy. Oh, yeah. You're a prophet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, last week, I also said that I was rich and handsome. So at least I'm one for three. That's right. <laughs> now, wait, Before we Bishop, move on from yeah. the bad legal advice thing, I, I think there's one more thing to remember here, which is that um, – legal stuff is one of the church's core competencies. I mean, they, they have for decades had a large number of lawyers in their top leadership and they have far more lawyers than they have theologians, you know, which is unusual or unheard of for a church as far as the membership of their uh, top leadership. And, you know, it's, it just is mind blowing to me that they could try to make the argument that, oh, we just got bad legal advice on this and didn't uh, realize it. You know, they're they're not just a bunch of humble monks or something. They're like all these yeah. lawyers and businessmen. <laughs> exactly. If Joel Olstein messes up his taxes, I'm going to give him a pass because he's just a, a charismatic evangelical preacher mm -hmm. and maybe he doesn't know better. All of the senior leaders of the church are businessmen, lawyers, and they, they are brought into this position specifically for that acumen. That's why there's ne never been a waiter who's been an apostle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, Bishop Kaze, who's the presiding bishop, he said a few years ago when uh, Nielsen's complaint first came to light and that he was interviewed, I believe it was by either, I think it was the Washington Post or it might have been the, um, I think it was the Washington Post, but he said, I got this quote here. He said, quote, at the end of the day, EPA funds are managed by the spirit of revelation, end quote. So what does that mean about how they were managed, Al? Uh, it means that there was no question as to um, uh, where the directives came from. This management came from the top. Uh, spirit yeah. of revelation, that says first presidency to me. You know, I guess it's from that same spirit that Hiram Page tapped into, uh, must, Bishop Kaze. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because you might want to check your revelation source there, buddy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Or maybe instead of relying on revelation, you should, should just follow federal law. We can either yeah. follow federal law or follow the spirit of revelation. And if, mm -hmm. if the two are in question, Bishop Kaze, my humble suggestion to you is just to follow federal law. Okay. Mm -hmm. that, you know, I, I'm not an accountant, but I play one on TV. Yeah. Now, uh, David, David Nielsen here, he's probably going to get a payment from the SEC from mm -hmm. this fine because he probably, when, when he whistle blew, he probably whistle blew to the SEC and to the IRS. Mm -hmm. Now, he's probably going to get a, a payout for this, guys, of somewhere between it's between 10 and 30 percent. So he's going to get somewhere between five hundred thousand dollars and one point mm -hmm. five million dollars. Now, does that make him a bad Mormon or a good Mormon? <laughs> he did tell the truth. Um. <laughs> so the real question is, if you whistleblow on the church's investment fund and then get paid part of the settlement, do you pay tithing on that money? Oh, that's a, that's a tough question. <laughs> yeah. Well, you pay it on the gross if you want gross blessings. That's what I. That's, what I that's was right. <laughs> now, for the people out there, like uh, the Midnight Mormons who we had on last week. By the way, we had Cardinalis on last week, which was a very interesting uh, episode. For people who are defending on the church, Midnight Mormons, for instance, said that this is a fake SEC scam. That it's a uh, that there's no scam. It's a fake scandal, is what they said. Mm -hmm. Are are anyone out there defending the church? Are you grateful for David Nielsen? Are you grateful for him? Because we still wouldn't know if it hadn't been for him. And what's amazing here is even the most staunch defenders are glad that David Nielsen's around because now we know what we he's been mostly vindicated. Everything that he has said mm 
-hmm. has been vindicated. There's not been one thing that he has brought out that they said, mm -hmm. nope, it's not, not demonstrable. That's a lie. The church in no way has come out and said, David Nielsen, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And he's just out on right, uh, right field. Yeah, they have not mentioned David Nielsen at all. Nope. They've, nope. they've not they said were, anything about a guy with a, an axe to grind. They haven't nope. said anything about, oh, this, uh, you know, it's an anti-Mormon, just, you know, got greedy and left the church and just did it for the money. Nothing. Yep. David Nielsen put himself in an incredibly precarious situation by whistleblowing on the church, meaning he lost his job. I don't know what his employment mm -hmm. prospects have been, but I'm sure that they're not as rosy as they once were. Now he's getting a, a meager payment, but he could be getting more when the IRS, see, we're still, the other shoes are going to drop, could other shoes mm -hmm. from the FBI with criminal law lawsuits. There could be the IRS involved. If the IRS gets involved and says that the church has to pay back taxes on all this fraudulent stuff, David Nielsen submitted those documents to the Senate committee saying that the church has avoided paying $22 billion with the taxes. Well, if you get 30% of 22 billion, you're mm -hmm. going to become a really bad Mormon folks. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, now, tithing, you know, guys, tithing, um, if you figure it out, tithing brings in like $15 million a day, give or take. So mm -hmm. this fine is less than nothing. And don't forget, Enzyme yeah. Peak also brings in returns every day. Plus, the church's commercial ventures are bringing in money every single day. So, I don't know, we can estimate that maybe the church brings in about $20 million every single day. So mm -hmm. how much is $5 million now? That's a core. So this is like six hours of mm -hmm. church income. Six hours. So, yeah. I, you know, I don't know how much you make a year, but six hours from you, that's that's absolutely chump change. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're, we're talking about the average person, a few hundred bucks, maybe fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is not not anything to write home about. Nope. But on the bright side, at least now we know what tides are actually used for. And that's mm -hmm. paying fines to the U.S. government. Well, uh, well, I mean, the, I mean, the, the church has, has said, oh, we guarantee we're not going to use any tithing money to pay this. But uh, where are they getting their money from then? I, like I said, the money from Enzyme Peak, so the tithing monies come in, the church pays all of the expenses out from the tithing monies. Then about a billion dollars a year is set into Enzyme Peak. So it starts as tithing money. Now, they have not touched those initial, it's a, the initial endowments of that tithing money the church has never tapped into those initial endowment every single year. They're only paying the fines out of the interest from that tithing. So that yeah. is a small differentiation, a delineation mm -hmm. that um, is far from satisfying. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 I'm sure the membership will be very comforted to hear that um, it's not the actual uh, capital of the tithing that has been donated that's going to be paying the fine. Just the interest that the church has made off of that tithing money over the course of the year is going to be used <laughs> yeah, and the church during this entire time has not refuted any of the $100 billion figures, which David yep. Nielsen, um, they've never refuted any of that. They never contradicted him. They've never yeah. come out and said, hey, he got it wrong. See, the difference is with like Michael Resendez of the AP sex abuse scandal is that the church said Michael Resendez has got his facts wrong. and He doesn't know his head from a hole in the ground. And they tried to refute him point by point. And they did the same thing with John Krakauer with Under the Banner of Heaven. and said, John mm -hmm. Krakauer doesn't know his Mormon history. We're going to set the record straight. Guess what? They haven't done anything with David Nielsen. And if they mm -hmm. could, I almost guarantee you that they would. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and really, I mean, when it comes to like uh, the John Krakauer and all these other examples, the uh, the refuting has been weak at best. Um, you know, the, the, they go after particulars like, oh, well, you know, Joseph Smith didn't have a black hat. He wore a white hat sort of stuff. 
<laughs> I mean, it's just stupid things like that. Things of no consequence. I, I, it really reminds me if I go back and think about um, what I learned in the temple. And I don't, I know, I don't, some people hold the sacred, so I'm just going to p- kind of paraphrase. But we learned in the temple that the lawyers thou gavest me and commanded that they should remain with me, they did give me of the advice and I did partake. I think, seem to remember <laughs> I, something, <laughs> something along those lines. But where, no, yeah. seriously, where, where is Bishop Cause? He should be hold. Where is he? This is your job, buddy. Your job yeah. is to uh, is to is to hold the line to guard the widow's might. It's your sacred responsibility. He should be holding press conference after press conference after press conference, apologizing and taking questions. What are the new safeguards, Bishop Kaze, that you have put in place that is going to prevent something like this from happening in the future? Not only that, he should be touring, holding regional conferences, apologizing to the members. How did this happen? And I promise you that. It, and and then he should say. Uh, this happened under my watch, but I promise you this, it's never going to happen again. Where are you, Bishop Kaze? Well, and we're we're not talking about both. Well, I mean, we here might be. But in general, the discourse is not talking about both dimensions of this, which there is the, le- the legal dimension and there is the ethical dimension. And there is overlap between the two, of course. But we're debating for so long about, you know, like, they did something illegal, you know, who was involved in them doing something illegal and like, you know, how did that happen and stuff? And the discourse isn't talking in enough about the fact that regardless of whether or not it was legal for them to use shell companies and stuff, which it wasn't, but regardless of that, it is fact that they did deliberately use shell companies. And why would you use shell companies unless... <laughs> it were to hide the size of the portfolio. And so it is, you know, very verifiable fact that they did this in order to not tip off members as to how rich the church is, presumably because they were afraid that people wouldn't want to pay tithing. And regardless of the legal ramifications of all this, set all that aside, they lied to their donors and deceived their donors for decades. You know, how as um as members of the church, you know, how does how does that make people feel? And as someone who was paying tithing for decades, I mean, I I feel lied to. Yeah, absolutely. Roger Clark said that specifically when he was interviewed back in, I think it was 2019, where he said that the reason that we didn't disclose this is we never wanted to give the members a reason not to pay tithing. And if the church members knew how much the church had, they might not pay tithing. It's it's just it's cut and dried. Quick Media, who we've had on the program a couple of times, has released a couple of videos on this. And he says, gee, I can't figure out why the church did this this way. It's not hard to, Greg, it's not hard to figure it out. Roger Clark told us why they did it so that we wouldn't stop paying tithing. It's not a mystery. Now, Al, the church had a statement on this, and I, I want to highlight a couple of portions of that statement here. Do you have that? Uh, do you have that uh, section? Yep, I got the quote here. Okay, the, so the church's statement says, "We affirm our commitment to comply with the law, regret mistakes made, and now consider this matter closed." How do you feel about that statement, Al? Full stop, right at the end. There, it's closed. Really? Well, that, that's comforting. I mean, this this sounds like somebody that's. Uh, <laughs> I mean. Shoot, they, they go in and basically, if somebody comes in and robs you and says, "Oh well, you know, we're going to comply with the law, and we regret that mistakes were made, and now we consider the matter closed," 
without giving you any money back or without, uh, you know, any jail time or anything, is that going to be satisfactory? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not closed, folks. Let me let me tell you, I, I am outraged. I, can mm-hmm. I go to my local bishop and get some additional questions answered? No. But, well, then who can mm-hmm. give me? I have more questions. How do I mm-hmm. know that my future tithing donations won't be squandered again? Mm-hmm. I mean, confidence needs to be rebuilt. A simple statement like this is wholly insufficient. You know, a simple yeah. statement would be good for like, you know, if the LDS member tools app went down for a couple of hours. Then you give yeah. a simple statement. Mm-hmm. Hey, sorry about that. Uh, but it's back up, everyone. It's uh, the case is closed. No. And if you look at the statement itself, it says regret mistakes made. It didn't even say we regret statements. Uh, we regret mm-hmm. mistakes made. It says yeah. regret mistakes <laughs> made. What are, what, what are we, Bill Clinton now? Mistakes oh, exactly. were made? Yeah, mistakes were made. We're not going to own anything. Uh, we're not going to uh, apologize. We just are going to say that we regret mistakes made. Well, that's an apology? No, it's not an apology uh, by any means. That's not an apology. Because one thing that's very clear about this whole story, uh, this whole scandal, is how much it is uh, the wording that the church is playing with. The church is very particular about the wording. So, yeah, anybody looking to the church for comfort is going to come up, uh, you know, with some very empty, uh, some very empty words to the to try and make sense of this. Yeah, somebody tweeted this out on Facebook. They said, perhaps a church that expects us to disclose annually that we have, in fact, given them 10% of our income, awards, or withholds privileges and assigns our status of worthiness based on the proper donation and accounting of our money and requires us to be honest in our dealings should be held to the same standard. I completely (sighs) agree. Now, the church's statement says that the fine will be from investment returns, not member tithing. Prove it. Yeah. We, we've trusted you in the past, okay? Yeah, you've been and that so trust, transparent so far. <laughs> yeah, we, you, you said to trust us. We, we're we're going to do everything that we can with this, the Bishop Kaze in particular. Hey, we're, we're managing these in accordance with the way the Lord wants. Well, we did trust you. You dropped the trust. So you said that these fines are coming from investment returns, not tithing. I call on the church to prove that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the church has not been found in honest in its dealings with its fellow men and not honoring, obeying, and sustaining the law. Those are temple recommend questions. Yeah. You know what I mean? So what, no sacrament for six weeks for the uh, bishopric? I mean, Al, you've talked about this on the podcast before, so I want to be sensitive, yeah. but you were disfellowshipped no, at, at one point in time. Yes, and I'm guessing that that was for something a little less severe than tens of billions of dollars in investment and securities fraud, right? I'm just guessing. I'll, t- I'll tell you, it didn't affect people's lives nearly as much of tens of billions of dollars of investment and securities fraud. Yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing who gets disfellowshipped for what around here, mm-hmm. you know? Ensign P created 13 shell companies to file the uh, proper forms instead of using its own name, which is no problem. Mm-hmm. That is perfectly legal as yeah. long as those shell companies are totally independent companies. That's the mm-hmm. problem. They weren't independent companies. They weren't really managing anything. The management still happened at Ensign Peak itself. And I yeah. have a strong hunch that Kurt McConkie did not give the church bad advice on this. Why would they? Of course not. And, and I think that what, I'll bet you, I mean, I'm not uh, by any means an expert on uh, law or finance or whatever, but uh, it seems to me, just reading through what the SEC said, that if they would have listed the Enzyme Peak as being the management company on the uh, 13F form for all all 13 of these companies, they could have still kept the 13 shell companies. But if they would have just listed Enzyme Peak, that would have made it all go away and there wouldn't have been any scandal. 
but they didn't do that because I think they were concerned that, well, somebody might put the pieces together, which they did. Yep, they sure did. It's so interesting to me because so much of this might have been avoided had they been transparent from the start. And yes, you know, Mm -hmm. they would have had to address from the beginning, hey, we have this big investment fund and here's how big it is and it's growing all the time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that would still be the way to do what's right and let consequences follow. And that's that's not what we've seen here. It's it's super ironic to me that in April 2019, which is right around the time that they um, ceased doing some of this, Elder Anderson gave a talk somewhere where he said, we are not a a wealthy people, but we are a good people and we share what we have. (laughs) Yeah, billionaires are not wealthy people. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. At the same time that Ensign Peak is worth $100 billion in the church's and, uh, real estate portfolio is worth about $100 billion. It's been it's been proven that the church is the largest uh, private holder of real estate in the United States. Mm-hmm. And Ensign Peak is worth, worth far more than what the church public disclosures require it to be about. Yeah. So not a wealthy people, not a wealthy church. You're worth $200 billion, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's just, no, that's that's not cool. Yeah. What more, um, like, humorously vast amount do you want than a hundred billion dollars to demonstrate that you are indeed wealthy you know like what else what more does it take you know does jesus need to have a trillion dollars in his bank account before we say that they're wealthy i i don't know that's what the widows might have said that the church is on track to become a trillion dollar church i believe it is in 2060 and going back to what you said white cat that's the thing about transparency transparency not only does it build confidence it decreases fraud it builds trust it's an inherent part of being a good steward, period. You know, and the, uh, gr- the, the director of the SEC's Division of Enforcement, he gave a statement here, uh, Mr. Gruwal, about the church and their behavior in this. Al, can you read that statement? Okay, yeah, Mr. Gruel's statement. Um, we allege that the LDS Church's investment manager, with the church's knowledge, went to great lengths to avoid disclosing the church's investments, depriving the commission and the investing public of accurate market information. Yeah, great lengths. This was not a small oversight. This was an extremely concerted and, and really almost diabolical effort to keep me as a tithe payer in the dark. You know what I mean? And I go back to what M. Russell Ballard said. He said, quote, so just trust us wherever you are in the world. And you share this message with anyone else who raises the question about the church not being transparent. We're as transparent as we know how to be in telling the truth. We have to do that. That's the Lord's way. End quote. What transparency is he talking about? Yeah, I mean, like there's obvious steps of financial transparency that people are constantly asking them to take and they don't take. You know, they they haven't been financially transparent since the 1960s when President McKay spent too much on church buildings and almost bankrupted the church. And, you know, then they kind of went dark as to their financial situation. And, you know, that that is a very easy, well, a very obvious step. And so when they say we're as transparent as we know how to be, that's not even kind of true in any way. No. Yeah. You know, and that's why I'm wondering, is it time for the common council of the church, which is talked about in Doctrine and Covenants? I'm sorry, I forget which section. The common council of the church is for senior leaders of the church when they are engaged 
in um, on unethical, immoral activities. Now, remember, the church uses disciplinary councils to punish folks like Sam Young because he wanted to prevent child abuse and have the church do background checks for um, kids. And the church uses disciplinary councils to punish people like D. Michael Quinn for publishing unflattering historical church history. But when the senior leaders of the church who should be held to the highest, the highest standards, deliberately perpetuate investment fraud. There's no disciplinary council of, 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 any, of any kind. There's no disfellowshipment. There is nothing. There is divine silence. There's just an absolutely stunning level of hypocrisy in this story. Yeah, uh, but it, could it be that the SEC is just anti-Mormon, that they're just <laughs> trying to hurt the church? Because that's, that's something that I see thrown around a lot by, uh, you know, uh, faithful members is, oh, well, the government's just out to get the church. They're just picking on the church because they're anti-Mormon. Uh, is that? Do you think the SEC goes around um, throwing allegations like this, uh, very certain-sounding allegations, by the way? Uh, do you think they just do that willy-nilly because they hate the church? Yeah, and that's the most amazing thing. I went back and looked up the SEC's fines from last year to see where we are in this whole situation. And the most amazing thing is the SEC, it just doesn't fine churches. It just, it just doesn't. It goes after big corporations, investment entities, crypto companies, global manufacturers, big time evil corporations. The SEC is there to protect Joe Citizen like myself from evil corporations doing wrong headed things, which are going to deprive me of, uh, of my money. That's what it's there for. <sighs> you know, and you just you can't blame this on lawyers. I'm sorry, you can't. Because did the first... I have questions. I have so many questions. First of all, did the first presidency pray about the situation? This is the divine mandate of the widow's might. Did you pray about how to manage it? If so, then then God wanted this mess. That's what God wanted. Okay. Well, if not, if you didn't pray about it, then why didn't you? This is important stuff. Either yeah. way, no matter how you look at it, if you prayed about it or if you didn't, the answers are not good. Yeah. There's no uh, satisfactory answer, regardless. Yeah, I mean, it's like the, the church, the senior church leadership is requiring these uh, couple of these thirteen stooges to lie for the Lord, or you're going to get fired. That's what we find mm -hmm. out. This is taking lying for the Lord, Paul H. Dunn, to a new level. You either are required for your job, your employment, your health care. I've been a church employee for a long time. I know what it's like. Okay, they're telling you you have to sign forms that you could be held criminally liable for or you will you lose your job. Okay, that's yeah. that's taking lying for the Lord to the next level. Yeah. You know? Uh you know and, and of course we still have, don't have any apology whatsoever. You know, I I wish the word apology really was in the scriptures, but you know another word that's not in the scriptures? Fraud. Yeah. That's yeah. true. <laughs> so so I get, does that make it okay? Well, fraud's not in the scriptures, so it's no big You know what I mean? I mean come on. Yeah, uh, you, you know, could, you could fill volumes with what's not in the scriptures, right? <laughs> I know. You know, the most amazing part also of this is when this big news article hits like this, all the news outlets, they just ignore the church's style guide and they go straight to Mormon church. They're not they're not going to oh, yeah. eat around the bunch. <laughs> B, uh, so, BBC, so very yeah, brave of President Nelson. <laughs> Let me just read down this list here because I get these in my inbox. Uh, BBC News, Mormon, Mormon Church fined over uh, over its claim of uh, hiding $32 billion of investment. Wall Street Journal, uh, Mormon Church um, Investment Advisor settles SEC. Uh, ABC News, Mormon Church pays $5 million. CNBC, Mormon Church Affiliated Group pays $5 million. CNN, Mormon Church to pay fine. Nobody gives, nobody cares whatsoever about the major victory for Satan here. Yep.
the yeah, because that's the major victory for Satan is calling it the Mormon Church. It's not yeah. uh, taking the the widow's might and uh, embezzling it like that. <laughs> yeah, and this is the most viral Mormon news story since the Church's support of the Marriage for All Act, which also melted down the web as well. This is just this has received a huge amount of traction because it's so unprecedented. The SEC does not go after churches; it just doesn't. That's yeah. what's so unprecedented about this. And I'm, I have a lot of questions here. So we now know that the church hid all this from me for 25 years. So what yeah. else is the church hiding from me or has hidden from me? You yeah. oh, are you mean to tell me, okay, you mean to tell me that this is just a one-off, that this is just an aberration, that this happened once and, hey, folks, the matter's closed. It's never going to happen again. What is that saying? Yeah. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah. You that know, is the one. This really has got my blood boiling from this article this week. I've simmered down a little bit, but this is just an incredibly personal story for me. I work hard for my family to earn a living. And when my hard-earned charitable donations are squandered, mismanaged, and then, you know, covered up, it greatly upsets me. You know, and, and we still wouldn't know about any of this if it hadn't been for the original whistleblower who whistleblowed to... Um, uh, Mormon leaks. He's the one who found out about the IP addresses and the shell companies that went to Mormon leaks. And we, we still wouldn't know about him if it hadn't been for him or the other whistleblower. And, and that's what I really was thinking about this this morning. You know, I thought Jesus was supposed to be the ultimate whistleblower. You know, he went up against the yeah. Pharisees and the Sadducees. He was the whistleblower saying, you know, um, you're not doing things right. It, it wasn't mm. Jesus's disciples going to Pilate and mm -hmm. whistleblowing on Jesus. <laughs> You know, That's right. you know, we don't read about Peter going to Pilate saying, you know, yo, hey, yo, Jesus, he's been, you know, he's been really, really shady in this. I just want you to know because he's not on the up and up. Jesus is supposed to be the whistleblower, not his servants. Yeah. You know, it's not supposed to be David Nielsen whistleblowing on the church. It's supposed to be the church whistleblowing mm -hmm. on the world. You're supposed yeah. to be the example. Mm -hmm. and, and there's I have a lot more to say about this. You know, did anyone at Ensign Peak or the church enriched themselves off of this unethical behavior. And because there's no accountability, remember there was no, according to David Nielsen, there was no accountability, there was no compliance officer for the first eight years. So we know that it's engaged in a fraud. That's a, an established fact now. And there, more, there may be more shoes to drop, but was anyone getting enriched during this process? When you have no transparency, when you have no accountability, when you have no compliance officers, when you're engaged in deliberate per, uh, fraud for years, year in, year out, that is an atmosphere that is ripe for people to take personal enrichment. I'm not saying that that's what happened, but, I, but, ha but it's an important question to bring up. It sure is. Yeah. It does seem likely that if there was this level of, of lying kind of throughout, you know, church sanctioned, church led lying, um, and a total lack of transparency and after it's all out, now a total lack of accountability, it it is hard for me to believe that um there's never been someone with the ability to do so who was tempted to misuse this. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, if, if Latter-day Saints, if they wonder why we rank near the bottom of the likability surveys when compared to other religions, I don't think you need to look any further than the story. After this article, I am literally embarrassed to tell someone that I'm a Mormon after this. That's embarrassing. It's it's the good name of the... Joseph Smith said that the word Mormon meant more good. I'm embarrassed to say that I'm a Mormon now. now it's bad enough that I graduated from Brigham Young University with the legacy that Brigham Young had. Now we have to add this, on the, add this into it. 
you know, this trust is something that is earned. And the leaders of the church have eroded that trust here, not just in this story, but in other ways. How can this trust be rebuilt, guys? Well, um, I think that they're really going to have to be honest and open. I think uh, you can't be honest and open by uh, auditing yourself. I think you need to have an a independent auditor, an independent entity come in and uh, oversee the whole thing. That's what the community of Christ does. That's what so yeah. many other churches do. You know, if a cup of coffee chases away the spirit of the Lord, which is what I've been taught my whole life, how far away does that spirit run when he sees billions of dollars in investment fraud? You know, probably explains yeah. a lot of the church's other decisions then. <laughs> but yeah, I, <laughs> I, I feel like it would actually be uh, pretty simple to earn the trust back. And that would be to follow the repentance process taught in sure. the church. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it would be that hard. And I think that, you know, that level of saying, you know, we messed up in, in more explicit words than saying regret that mistakes were made. Um, you know, saying we messed up, we did this on purpose and we were wrong. And here's what we're going to do to make sure it's not that we don't even have the ability that we remove the temptation from ourselves to be able to do that again. Mm-hmm. That would be a big start. That's a great yeah. point there, White Cat. You know, if the Savior is offended by something as trivial, trivial as using the word Mormon, how does he feel about his servants committing billions in investment fraud? Uh, I, I got to go right along with uh, White Cat here because this is something where if the church really wants to uh, make a, uh, make a, an apology or make it right with people, if they want to move forward from this, then... Yeah, they've already been teaching the the process for a long time, but they're so stubborn about, oh, well, we we don't apologize. We don't, uh, you know, ever admit any wrongdoing. Um, You have to admit some wrongdoing. And just to say the term regret mistakes made, uh, then they specifically didn't say we regret mistakes made. It's just we in there. Yeah, it's just implied, right? Well, you know, the, the, the whole thing is just, you know, anytime they're uh making an apology it's an implied apology it's never an explicit one but boy whenever they want your your tithing they're very explicit about wanting your tithing you know uh, the fake lds newsroom has a lot of funny tweets here and uh, let me read this tweet yes, out they here do. <laughs> there seems to be a lot of people questioning the church and its finances how dare you we are the ones who question your worthiness not the other way around yeah. Yeah. This 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 week's news story is really near and dear to my heart. I really started paying tithing in earnest to the church right around 1997, literally in that year. Um, when I that was after I graduated from high school and I started earning, you know, having a real job. I mean, I paid a full tithing before that time, but um, that was just a few dollars. So my yeah. tithe paying years to the church when I had four kids and a stay at home wife. I was working multiple jobs, lots of long hours, go from one job to the next job and then wake up in the morning and do it all over again. I also did military deployments that I volunteered for, even though they were dangerous and very, um, they, they, they weren't very fun because I wanted to make ends meet because those uh, military deployments were tax free. And this is all during this time. I'm paying a full tithe during this entire period of time. And they were actively deceiving me and the government about the holdings in Enzyme Peak. It's yeah. just, it's very upsetting to me, you know, and this is the thing here is that the SEC fine, it's just the camel in the, the nose of the camel in the tent. 
It's Nielsen's mm -hmm. complaint to the IRS that has the real teeth that could put a hurt on the church. If yeah. the IRS gets involved, you could see some serious, um, serious consequences. Yeah. I, and, I it's really not just, hope so. Yeah, it's yeah, not just the IRS. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, the SEC is just one uh, branch of this. I mean, the Security uh, Commission and Trades Commission. This is, uh, you know, they, they said that their whole fine is, uh, you know, just from them. But this could uh, go on to other legal entities, you know, law enforcement. You're right, the FBI, uh, yeah. the IRS. Um, you know, this could really get uh, them in some really hot water because this is just a, I mean, like we said, this is a pittance of a fine, a few hours of profits that uh, that they bring in. But this yeah. could get real ugly. Yeah. Yes. Not only could there be criminal liability here, but there also yeah. could be a public spectacle because David Nielsen leaked the documents to the Senate Finance Committee. Those Senate Finance Committee, now that the SEC has fined the church, mm -hmm. they could subpoena Bishop Cause to answer questions in an open session of Congress. My yeah. goodness, I promise you that I'm going to be tuning in on that one. Or even Russell M. Nelson, the Senate Finance Committee, could summon him to Washington, D.C. Hey, Russell M. Nelson, what are you doing? What did you know? When did you know it? Answer those questions in public. We're going to bring out, you know, we're going to put the Reed uh, Smoot hearings. Uh, you know, Joseph F. Smith yeah. was summoned to Congress. We could have it happen again. Oh, exactly. I know there's uh, plenty of the LDS faithful that have been uh, kind of laughing at Warren Jeffs uh, leading the FLDS church from prison. They could very well see themselves in the same situation with Russell and Nelson behind bars, uh, giving his decrees and uh, general conference addresses from prison. Uh, I really and, don't see that happening. But No, but it, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it definitely harkens back to the days of uh, Joseph Smith in Liberty Jail writing uh, letters to Emma and the church, but uh, I, I doubt it will happen. You're right, but uh, it certainly could happen. I mean, that's on the table. Yeah, and Ryan, something kind of else that I think we need to think about as far as potential fallout from this. Um, there's been a lot of discourse around the fact that you know, for for years and decades, uh, people have tried to sue the church um, to get their tithing back, and it really hasn't ever gone anywhere. But there are arguments, and I'm not a lawyer, and I, I don't know whether or not this holds up, but it sounds like it does. Um, there are arguments that at this point where there is, is a certifiable proof from the SEC that the church has deliberately deceived its donors for about 20 years. Um, it seems likely that there is a legal foundation here for people to say, I was deceived and would not have donated had you not deceived me about the state of your investments uh, for people to do a class action lawsuit and demand their tithing back. That's right. Yeah. And with how deep pockets that the church has, I guarantee that those class action lawyers or those sharks, they're circling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, whether they actually get any back is um, probably very, uh, very difficult to do. Um, he, uh, reminds me of, this all reminds me of Doctrine and Covenants section 58, verse 21. It says, which says, let no man break the laws of God, for he that keepeth the laws of God hath no need to break the laws of the land. Yeah. But uh, the church is not following its own advice here. So I, I think we should rewrite the uh, new, the Great Commission in the New Testament when Jesus at the end of his uh, ministry says, go ye into all the world and register LLCs under inconspicuous names. I think that that just, that'd be a lot more accurate. <laughs> You know, yep. <laughs> if the church was a for-profit business, 
I honestly don't think it would be that big of a deal. It should be honestly literally just the price of doing business, a little bit of bad PR, but no big deal. But when you claim to be the sole arbiter of divine truth, you must be held to the highest standards. When you demand high standards of others, but do not live up to those standards yourselves, that's a huge problem. And there's a difference between saying, you know, prophets are imperfect and make mistakes and saying um, all the prophets for 20 years led an intentional and concerted effort to defraud members of the church. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's the that's the issue that I have is that deception. It's really been built into the church from the beginning. Think about it. Joseph Smith and his treasure hunting that was built on a web of deception. Joseph Smith denials of polygamy to Emma and to others. John Taylor denying polygamy while secretly practicing it in getting converts from uh, the United Kingdom. Church sanctioned polygamy continuing after Wilfred Woodruff's uh, 1890 manifesto, etc. The temple ceremonies, the highest ceremony in Mormonism is built around swearing oaths to keep secrets. And Boyd K. Packer said that not all truths are useful. The church's, uh, the church's relationship with being truthful is incredibly storied. And this is just one, uh, uh, this is just another example in a very long list of betrayals. Yeah, the, the whole truth claim of the church in, hinges upon the concept that one time Joseph Smith was telling the truth, just one time, that, uh, he, yeah. that he had his first vision. That's what that's that uh, that uh, is what everything hinges upon. Well, let's be careful how we talk about things here. You know, the Enzyme Peak Investment Fund isn't secret; it's sacred. Got that's it. True. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. true. That's true. <laughs> you know, guys, if I write my monthly tithing check tomorrow, how do I know that it's not going to be mismanaged again? What new safeguards are in place? There's just so many unanswered questions. And Sophronia, our newest uh, Patreon, she messaged me about the scandal. She said that it magnifies the overarching theme of uh, top church leadership where it infantilizes the members. They didn't want us to know about Enzyme Peak because they didn't trust us with that information. Big Brother Mm -hmm. knows best. Just keep sweet, pray, and obey. There's nothing to see here. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. We're all just infants on thrones. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I also think back to the Jane Huntsman lawsuit who's suing to get his tithing back. Now, if you look at what the church's lawyer said about that particular case when it was defeated at the local level, now it's at the circuit. Now it's been appealed. I believe it's at the circuit level. And we're supposed to expect the uh, a resolution of that any day now, by the way. But what yeah. was the reason that the church said that they did not disclose more about their finances? If you look at that rendering, we get the answer. And it's because the church does not want public scrutiny of their decisions. The church leaders, uh, the, the senior leaders of the church do not want to be held accountable to anyone for anything. There is no accountability for senior church leaderships in even the most grossly incompetent, deceptive, and potentially criminal behavior. There's just no accountability. You know? Yeah. This you know, is um, yeah, it really is. Um those church-employed stooges, um, presumably under the direction of the presiding bishopric of the First Presidency, they certified those 13F documents that they were, quote, true, accurate, and complete, end quote, even though they were only given the signature page. They weren't given the entire thing. They were signing yeah. to a blank form. Mm-hmm. You know, and you remember that article we covered a couple of months ago, which was, which said, what would you do if the prophet asked you to stop eating vegetables, Al? You remember that yeah, article from that blog? Exactly. <laughs> yes, well, what, let, let me ask you this. What would you do? If the prophet asked you to break federal law, potentially opening you up to criminal liability, fines, jail time, the stripping of your uh, credentials, the ability to get hired in the future, and even incarceration, all in the name of hoarding the widow's might and deceiving your fellow saints. How strong is your testimony? Let me tell you, my testimony was never that strong. There was a time when I, 
uh, would have followed the prophet uh, that that far. Wow. Uh, not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. I, I, that's why I said I thought the prophet would never lead the church astray. But has he not yeah. led the church astray on this? I don't no. know how he. I don't know how you could say that he hasn't. Yeah, and Ensign Peak they tried to clarify this uh, entire mess, but it did absolutely nothing in clarifying anything. It really didn't. Um, yeah. I found found this tweet out here from um, OG Cowdery on uh, Twitter. He's and he talked about the parable of the rich man. Remember when Jesus, the rich man, came mm-hmm. to Jesus and said, "What do I need to do to inherit eternal life?" Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, "Well, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, hide all thy wealth behind numerous shell companies, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven." That's Maybe right. oh, <laughs> don't, I, a couple last thoughts. We're wrapping this up here. I know it's a long episode, but don't forget with the church's priorities when it comes to paying stuff out. The church paid the SEC fine, presumably right away, but the church is slow rolling and lowballing the Boy Scout sex abuse settlement, which has 80,000 people that's involved with it. They're slow rolling and lowballing that one. They're also yeah. fighting tooth and nail many sexual abuse claims like the AP sex abuse lawsuit, which is currently uh, taking place in Cochise County in Arizona. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the church will pay these fines to the SEC, but it won't pay um, for these uh, incredibly abused persons. The priorities here are really askew. And don't yeah. forget uh, a couple, a couple last thoughts. Don't forget that during this entire period of time, the church is sending missionaries into the world, into some mm-hmm. really poor places like Africa in order to garner donations and of course, they're hiding all of this so that none of these people know. The missionaries themselves don't even know. No one knew. Yeah. <sighs> the church really wants us to go away as quick as possible. That's why they're being so compliant. Because, yeah, um, yeah the missionaries are going to the poor places like Africa and telling people you it's better for you to uh, skip eating or skip paying your bills and make sure you pay your tithing first. If you pay your tithing first before everything else, then the Lord will take care of you. Yeah. Even though David Bednar said that the church doesn't really need that money, doesn't really, doesn't need it at yeah. all. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing is also two days ago, the Utah filed a lawsuit against the SEC days after the commission announced the settlement with the LDS church. Utah mm-hmm. has filed a lawsuit against the SEC. Now, these are not at all related, right, guys? They're just just total coincidence? Of course, right? Yeah. <laughs> the timing is incredible. Incredible. Now, um, any last thoughts, uh, White Cat, on the uh, SEC mess from this week? I mean, I just am very curious to see whether this is the end of it or if it's the beginning of, you know, the the church being forced to be more transparent and have more accountability. I don't think it's going to be, but I think it is possible. And I'm curious to see how it continues to play out. I certainly hope so. Now, that does bring us to our Mormon News Roundup question of the week. Al, what is our Mormon News Roundup question of the week? If you come on over to Anchor, you can take our question of the week. The question this week is, how do you feel about the SEC finding the church and Enzyme Peak Advisors? That's a good question. Now, we have some uh, huge shows and guests coming up here. We have Rebecca Biblioteca on next week, while John Hamer coming on on March 12th. We have Sophronia, uh, a special guest host, on March 19th. And we have Jonathan Streeter from uh, Thoughts on Things and Stuff, who's uh, agreed to come on. We're not going to tell you what date it is. Um, we don't want to let all of our cats, our white cats, out of the back. Um, white Cat Prophecy, have we ruminated properly on the Great and Spacious Building? I think we have. This has been fascinating for me. Yeah. And validating, because I, I've had a lot of frustration this week. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah, once again, uh, follow uh, White Cat Prophecy without the E, right? Prophecy uh, uh, on Twitter. And um, 
yeah, we'd like, also like to give a shout out to Weird Alma. Thank him for letting us use this ep- his music for this episode and every episode. And thank you, our listeners out there, so much for ruminating with us on the great and spacious beehive. And remember, remember, no unhallowed hand can stop this podcast from progressing. When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, the Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's Church is a major victory for Satan. 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 Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a being with no moral constraints. My number one goal is to hurt the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.